Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's time for Next Gen Friday. We are so excited about the future of our fellowship that we highlight the 40 and under pastors of CFM. We hope you are inspired by the deep bench of pastors and leaders coming up around the world. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Amen. Quick, uh, can you hear me? Am I good? Quick correction, Pastor Garrett was right. It is June 3rd. Graduation dinner is June 3rd, so if you are graduating yeah, you can talk to myself or my wife about that. Probably more my wife, Rebecca. She, she knows what she's talking about, as most times I don't. Let's turn our Bibles to Gillette, Gillette. Genesis chapter 11. I don't know why I said Gillette. I don't even like the Patriots. I, I detest the Patriots. Genesis chapter 11, verse 1. I want to preach a sermon. If you were in Vision or AO in 2018, stop me if you heard this one already. But um, I want to talk about a few things. Pastor Garrett preached a masterful sermon this morning on motherhood and, 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 and just things that uh, mothers go through and, and uh, more specifically what Mary went through in raising uh, Jesus as her son. And just as a parent, just, just FYI, I will, I'm not a mother. I'll never become a mother. It's impossible for me to be a mother. I, I feel like I need to put that out there. But as a parent, one of the weirdest things is to see your child exert their free will, to exert their will as a human. It's weird, isn't it? Like, where did this come from? Who are you? I remember my son, another Noah, he was like two or three, and he woke up on a Saturday morning, and he, it was like nine, and he said, I want lunch, I want lunch. He said, we can't have lunch, it's nine in the morning, you're getting breakfast, he said, no, I want lunch. I want lunch. He ended up eating cornflakes or whatever. He didn't get lunch. But he woke up and he said, this is what I want. This is what I want to happen. I want to preach a sermon, shout out to all the millennial soccer moms called Will I Am, about human will and kind of the case for and the case against human will because there's very few real commodities in this world, Right? Not gold, not diamonds, not even water. Water in the volumes that we use as a society isn't really the water that we need, it's the water that we want. Can you say Hoover Dam and the lights of Vegas? But what makes something a real commodity? What makes something a thing that we need? What? Human will. Somebody somewhere wants this. So I'm going to make it, or I'm going to mine it, or I'm going to grow it, or I'm going to do something to get it so I can sell it to somebody else because human will makes everything a thing. You know the story of tulip mania in the 1600s. The Dutch uh, got turned on to the tulip. Actually, the Turks were kind of the first to start planting them, and and the Dutch uh, started to grow them. And they started growing so many tulips that these tulip bulbs were all the rage. And the price for one bulb got so high that one bulb was the equivalent to four oxen or a new bed. 
or a ton of butter. And the price skyrocketed from October of one year to May 1st to the next year. Legend has it that a, a, a foreign sailor gets off of his ship, comes down the gangplank and into the market, and he sees these tulip bulbs, and he mistakens it for an onion. And being a sailor, he takes a big bite out of what he thought was an onion, but it was a tulip bulb. But what happened is people saw what, what he did, like, right? He just bit the tulip bulb, and they realized that they've been investing this whole time in something that really doesn't mean much at all. And the tulip bulb bubble burst and the tulip bulb market crashed. That sounds kind of familiar, right? Except where it's not tulip bulbs anymore. It's like chicken wire and styrofoam and stucco with paint on it. And my house... I look at the, vo- the value of my house and I just laugh like, what, what are these monopoly number, money numbers here? But we pay higher and higher prices because somebody somewhere, I guess, will buy it. But it's never really about the thing. It's about human will. I will get mine. I will not pay that much for it. I will go here. I will do that. Every war that has ever been fought whether against oppression or for land or for resources or all the advertising, trying to coerce or coax us to want something, or any or all relationship books, how to manipulate my significant other in eight easy steps. Free will is the crux of all creation and eternity. The whole universe came to its knees one day when Eve bit into her tulip bulb. It was never about the fruit. It was never about the tree or a snake. It was about human will going crossways with God's will. Let's read Genesis chapter 11, verse 1. We know this story. Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and they had asphalt for mortar. And they came and said, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves and uh, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, indeed, the people are one and they have one language. And this is what they began to do. Now nothing that they purpose or, or, or propose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language that they may not understand another speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the earth and they ceased building the city. Father, we ask you for your power, your grace, Lord. I pray that you would open up hearts and minds. More importantly, Father, I pray that you would speak to our souls, God, that we wouldn't leave here like we came, like our pastor said. Father, I ask you for your power and your mercy. Amen. So let's look at the case for free will. Because there is actually, you could say, a Darwinian case against free will, right? So you want to look at evolution, you want to look at uh, popular science, and it's like, hey, uh, you know, we can do whatever we want because we evolved from monkeys, so, you know, everything is great. But if you look at evolution, evolution and Darwinian thought is actually a case against free will. There was a, 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 a... professor of biology at Stanford named Robert Sapolsky. Um, He was doing a TED talk and he said, we have no free will at all. We are sums of our biology, meaning 
What you do is what you do because that's what your body says to do, okay? So you're not really this cognizant being. You're just another evolved monkey, and that's, you know, you like pizza, and that's what you do. We're sums of our biology, and he stated a case um, where Israeli parole judges were granting uh, parole based on essentially how long it had been since they last ate. And so there was 5,000 cases that he followed, and if your case was right before lunch, then you are probably more likely not to get parole because the judge was hungry. But if your case was right after lunch, then you were probably going to be granted parole because the judge had his matzo ball soup and everything was good. And so he's just a product of his biology. And so therefore, he was more kind-hearted. And that's what this professor said. The host of the, of the program said, How, can we ever move past our biology? Sapolsky said, nah, our, our, our biology is all there is. So the excuse is built in. We really don't have free will. We're just products of our DNA. We're a product of our environment. And we're prisoners of our experience. In other words, the devil's in the details of our past. And he made me do it. Right? I was born this way. My parents had me. I was born into this culture. I was born into this city. Whatever, whatever. And this is how I live my life. And this is why I live my life. Now, there's a part of me that would like to believe that and, and, and you know, say that, that's my thing right there, right? I'm a product of Aztecs and Spaniards. How do you like that? So either I'm sacrificing people to the sun god or giving people blankets with diseases on them to wipe out their village. But that's just stuff that I do because that's just who I am, right? That's things that, that have been put inside of me. See, we do have free will, and that's what Satan's been after the whole time. See, the dirty little secret is Satan isn't really after you so he can make you sin, even though that's part of it. Satan is after you to subdue your free will. The lie is you eat the fruit, you partake in the sin, and you're going to be freer. You can do whatever you want because God, Christianity, church, all that stuff, that stuff is so constricting. But if you come and listen to me and do what I tell you to do, you're going to be so free. But the point is, is he's trying to subdue your free will. See, Satan could not take our free will. He couldn't come into the garden and subjugate us and make us his slaves. Did Satan appear to Eve as his, like, his real form? No, right? He took the form of a snake or used car salesman or whatever they're trying to get at in Genesis. And he does something very brilliant, and it's been spoken about over this pulpit many times, is he makes the whole thing Eve's idea. Brilliant. All the crazy thoughts in your head, you're like, man, I am messed up. Satan does this thing where he will take his thoughts and make them your thoughts. Now the serpent was more cunning, uh, Genesis 3. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it. She added that lest you die. 
Then the serpent said, you shall surely not die. For God knows that the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food and was pleasant to the eyes, she took of the fruit and ate and she also gave to her husband with her and he ate. So he makes it her idea, verse four. The serpent said, you will not surely die. He knows the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. And you can almost hear the wheels in her head turning. Like, man, it, it does look amazing. It does look like it's, I don't know, like it's brain food or it's, you know, it's got to be really good for me. There has to be some health benefits to it. I, I don't know. I guess I'll try it. Boom, it's her idea. Her idea becomes her action. And then what does she do? She hands it to her husband, Adam, and Adam's like, ah, what the heck, right? Advertisers actually go after the woman in the family because the woman is the shopper, and she hands the fruit to the man, and he's like, ah, what the heck? So it's been like that ever since the garden, right? There's been times my wife's like, hey, we're going to buy this. I'm like, yeah, okay, cool, yeah, order it. I'll put it together. The point is, is that there was shiny packaging, the fruit, There was a quick sales pitch, the snake, but it was up to us to eat it out of our own free will. The snake might have had arms and legs, but they weren't that long to where he was going to force it down her throat, right? He was still a snake. So she had to eat it herself out of her own free will. That's the only way the plan actually works. You have to do it because you want to do it in order for it to be sin. Jesus said, whoever sins is a slave to sin, John 8, 34. Satan gets us to give up our will to himself and to sin by waving beautifully packaged sin in our face. Pastor Warner did a sermon series a couple of years ago called, uh, on pornography called Poison, Not Candy. Looks great, looks good, but it leads down the steps of hell as the Bible says. My, me and my father were in Romania and we were doing a men's rally, and um, my father did this, this, this great sermon on the book of Proverbs with the young man with the adulterous woman. And the whole theme of that portion of scripture is essentially what that young man sees. See, the devil won't show you that relationship with that dude. Yeah, it looks great, it sounds great, but he doesn't show you that it leads to bondage and to slavery and that when you want to get free, you can't. Why? Because you've given away your free will. During the Super Bowl, there's all kind of beer ads. It looks great, it looks fun. It doesn't show people dying of liver disease. There's people who want to get free from bondages and you make a conscious decision to do so, but something, there's a part of you that has been given away. Someone once said that people talk about their pet sins but don't realize that they actually become their sin's pet. The question is, who's in control? Sin will take you farther than you want to go and make you stay longer than you want to stay. Who's in control? Many people are enslaved because they were tricked into situations. Nobody says, hey, when I'm in my 40s, I still want to be smoking pot and acting crazy. Doing. Didn't Mick Jagger say, if I'm still doing this at 40, somebody shoot me? Dude's like 85 years old, still 
doing his thing. We forget about the slavery part of sin. We forget about the free will portion. Let's look at the dark side of free will. Because free will can be great, it can be amazing, and free, free will can be the worst thing ever. Isaiah fourteen twelve, How you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to earth. You who once laid low the nations, you said in your heart, I will ascend into the heavens, I will raise my throne above the stars. I will sit enthroned in the mount of the assembly on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon, and I will ascend above the tops of the clouds, and I will make myself like the most high. But you are brought down to the realm of the dead into the depths of the pit. We're not the only ones who have free will. We weren't the first ones to have free will. Angels have free will. Lucifer, some believe, was the worship leader in heaven. And one day in his crazy head, he looks up at God and said, I will ascend into the heavens and I will raise my throne above the stars of God. It's like the devil used his gift of free will to do the one thing you're not supposed to do with your gift of free will. What's that? Overthrow God. The one thing you're not supposed to do. You can do anything you want. You're like the top angel. You're like higher than Michael. You're higher than Gabriel. You're higher than all these dudes. And there's, you're, you're living the life, man. And that one thing he's not supposed to do, he does. And that sounds familiar, right? God says, hey, you can eat of any tree in this garden, except for this one. What do you mean, this one? This one over here. This one with the snake in it that's talking to me? This tree. This tree? There's a dark side of free will. You can look at the freedoms that God has given you and say, wow, that's great. I'm going to take this sports car and run it off the road. Do you remember where you were or how old you were when you realized you can do whatever you want? When you essentially realize that this whole thing is that one scene in Pinocchio when they're on that island and all those boys are smoking cigars and shooting pool, just doing whatever they want, just spoiler alert, that's life. You can literally do whatever you want. We have laws, but they're all external, right? That's all after the fact. I can break into the panderia and steal all the pan dulce I want and eat it and wait for the cops, but I did it. Right, we've got a special promotion for the faithful listeners of the VBPH Sermon Podcast. Here's the deal, Jack. <laughs> We're taking an impact team to Pastor Paul and Deanna Alvarez in Lima, Peru. <laughs> they let us know that they need some equipment. We'd like to give you a chance to help us buy them a new iPad and a new smart TV for their children's church. Our goal is to raise $1,000 for these items, and we think you'd like to help. So here's what we're offering. So here's what we came up with, guys. When you donate $30 or more to this fund, uh, you're going to get a six-month subscription to the premium podcast at no additional cost. And when you donate $50 or more, then we're going to give you a full year. How about that? Yeah. 
you'll get all the benefits of our premium sermon podcast, which means daily sermons, interruption-free listening, and zero commercials. We'll get new subscribers out of it, and Pastor Alvarez will get some new equipment to help with what God is doing there. Uh, We think it's a win, win, win. Uh, This promotion will only last until our impact team, which is happening toward the end of June. So don't miss this opportunity. But wait, Pastor Adam, Dave, what if, what if I'm already a premium subscriber? I'm so glad you asked. Well, so we are going to pass to you, those of you who are already paying for a subscription, we can give you a gift subscription that you can pass on to somebody else out there who always wanted to subscribe but never got around to it for whatever reason. Right. So all of the links will be in the show notes. And we look forward to being a blessing to you and to Pastor Paul in the coming weeks. Thanks, guys. Exhibit B, man. You've heard this poem plenty of times before, Invictus. Out of the night which covers me black as the pit from pole to pole, I thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. In the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winced nor cried aloud. Under the bludgeoning of chance, my head is bloody but unbowed. Beyond this place of wrath and tears looms but the horror of the shade. And yet the menace of the years finds, I shall, uh, and, uh, finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. There's a dark side to free will. I believe hell is going to be full of people who lived out this poem. The last stanza said, It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate, the captain of my soul. The truth is, is that nobody goes into eternity not knowing about a creator God. Paul said, we all have a form of godliness, but we deny its power. See, in our scripture in in, in the Tower of Babel, God has to intervene in man's world because he says nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. How scary is this? Did you know that after the thousand-year reign, after the rapture, after the thousand-year reign of Christ in Jerusalem, Satan is going to be released one more time? And there's going to be people who saw Jesus physically every day that are going to rebel against God one last time. The truth is, is we do not need Satan to lose our minds. We are debased enough in our own free will. We are debased enough in our own minds and our own souls to think, you know what? I got this. I got this. Don't operate heavy machinery or drive any vehicles after taking this medication. Don't worry about it. I got this. And there are some people who will live and die fighting against God out of your own free will. Not out of ignorance. Not out of, you know, you've been duped, you've been fooled. Out of your own free will. We've all heard the stories of the people who pass away for 5, 10, 15 minutes and and they'll spend some time in, 
in, in, in hell. And, and what do they all say? They all hear the screams and they all hear people what? Cursing God. There's people now, you're alive and you curse God. Not, uh, you know, just, just by the way you live your life or, you know, just kind of on accident. Like, you curse God, like words. Jesus found himself in the Garden of Gethsemane. He found himself in a place where his own will was being challenged. He just celebrated Easter. Jesus prayed in the garden. He said in Luke chapter 22, verse 42, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. I was talking to Vision and I said, we don't have a problem believing Jesus was God or is God. We have a problem believing that Jesus is human. See, Jesus isn't a percentage. He's 50% God and he's 50% human. Jesus is one to one. He's God and human. So Jesus, as a man, is coming to the end of his life. He knows what's going to happen. And it's almost like what happened in Gethsemane was just as painful as what happened on Golgotha. He said, Father, if it is your will, take this cup from me, semicolon. Nevertheless, not my will, comma, but yours be done. Meaning, it's his. And then he says, it's yours. In the Garden of Eden, Adam said, not your will, God, but mine be done. In Gethsemane, another garden, Jesus, the second Adam, said, not my will, but yours be done. See, Jesus undid Eden's curse in another garden. But once again, it came down to the will of one man. See, what you have to understand is, this is not so much do's and don'ts. This is not so much, well, if I do this and if I don't do that and if I do this and I don't do that and I stay within the rules and everything's cool. This is not about really that at all. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. In this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. See, our prayer for our will is, Lord, I don't want to do my will. I want to do yours. Let it be done on earth as it is in heaven. Genesis 2, 7, the message says, God formed man out of dirt from the ground and blew into his nostrils the breath of life and man came alive, a living soul. Let it be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, I pray for what's happening in the world as, as you do too. But the truth is, is I can't control what happens on earth. And so some people ask, well, what's the point of praying if you can't control your prayers or whatever, like, you know, it's other things, it's other people, it's, it's, it's other situations. 
The Bible says in Genesis 2-7 that God formed man out of the earth. And Jesus says, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The only piece of earth I have control over is this one. I'm just a big walking dirt clod. So I say, God, have control over this piece of earth. The whole world can be going crazy, and it is. See, Jesus was the perfect combination of dirt and the one who breathed spirit into him. But notice Jesus never offered to meet God in the middle. Hey, God, what if it's half my will and half your will, huh? We can work it out. Maybe God is my co-pilot, right? You can throw in your two cents or text me or whatever. Maybe if I'm just kind of going off a little bit, you can just like nudge me back. Honestly, as your brother and just being very polite, that's trash, right? He's not our buddy. Jesus, the son of God, Jesus, the son of God, Jesus, the son of God, surrendered his entire will to his father. What he was telling us, it's a zero-sum game. Not mine, yours. Someone made the point that the nails didn't keep Jesus on the cross. I would venture to say that Jesus essentially was already crucified in the Garden of Gethsemane. Why? Because he bent his will to God's. He was sweating drops of blood. The the blood vessels in his forehead were popping. He died in that garden. See, Jesus was unbeatable because he was already surrendered. Roman soldiers, the Sanhedrin, death couldn't defeat him because he'd already surrendered his life and he gave it away. He said, no one takes my life, but I give it. The power of a surrendered man or a surrendered woman that says, I understand the power of my free will. This is God breathed in me. This is the image of God inside of me. That's why Satan wants it. This is mine, and it's holy. But God, I give it to you out of my own free will. See, God's not going to subjugate you. He's not going to make you do anything. But when a man or a woman says, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in me, What does that look like? Looks like what we just did, a worship service. From the inside out, right? My heart and my soul, you take control, consume me from the inside out, Lord. See, the difference between a relationship with God and religion is religion wants to control you. Religion wants to tell you what to do and when to do it. A relationship with God is every day saying, you know what, God? There's a million things I want to do. There's a million things in my heart. There's a million things that I can do. Tower of Babel. There's a million things that I can do, but I'm not. What do you want me to do? How do you want me to live? It's so simple, it's maddening. 
like Pastor Saavedra was talking about. It's so simple, it's maddening. See, everything Jesus did was meant to be imitated. I think sometimes we can look at Jesus and say, man, Jesus was just so far ahead of the game. Jesus was just so Jesus that it's unattainable and he knows that we can never get there. So we're just going to be bottom dwellers for Jesus, you know, and and we're just going to kind of pick up the scraps. Everything that Jesus did was meant to be imitated. The, 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 The term Christian, we've said this a million times before, but the term Christian is a derogatory term. It's Christotos, little Jesuses. And we took that on as a badge of honor. We said, okay, cool. Jesus said, go out into all the world and make disciples, right? As we follow Jesus, we begin to imitate what he did. And we say, you know what, God? As Jesus surrendered his will to you, I surrender my will to you. So what does that look like in the practical? Is it, Jesus, what do you want me to have for lunch today? Should I have the... California burrito or the Arizona burrito, Lord? I think sometimes we get hung up on just silly stuff like that, right? And then when it comes down to the real Garden of Gethsemane stuff, we're like, no, it's too hard. This is crazy. But that's where it really matters. A man or a woman that makes a habit, makes a lifestyle out of surrender to God, When it does come down to that, I believe we'll make the right choice. So you're saying, okay, I get it. All right, we surrender to the will of God. Our will's bad. God is good. It's holy. I get it. Now what? What is the will of God? I wrote a book. You should buy it. What is the will of God? I don't know. What is it? That's for you to find out. That's for the everyday. That's when we go before God in a holy transaction and say, God, not my will, but yours be done on this piece of earth right here. I don't care what's going on out there. That's cool. I'm praying for that. I got it. Yeah, right here. I'm surrendered. You think about the crucifixion sequence. And there's so many ways to look at it, it's infinite. But have you ever wondered how many times Jesus just could have lost it? Pontius Pilate, do you know I have the power to take your life right now? Dude, every time I read that, I get so mad. Do you know who you're talking to, dude? Boo-boom, 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 boo-boom. Right? How many, Jesus talking to Herod, Herod was a chump. He was an Eumidian chump. He was appointed. He didn't earn nothing. Do a miracle for me. But Jesus was already surrendered. You come across situations in your life, whether it's temptation, whether it's, it's uh, situations where it involves anger or, 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 or finances or all of these things, and we can say, you know what, I'm going to work my will on this, or we can stop and say, you know what, God, this is a good time to surrender my will. There's been times in my life where it's just like, hey, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna Gabe Ruby this whole situation right here, right now. Or you can stop and say, God, not my will. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, God. Do something here. 
It's a holy transaction. Maybe you're here tonight. You've been, you're saved, but you're saying, you know what, man, I'm just not feeling it anymore. I think it's a good time to resurrender. It's a good time to go before God and say, what am I doing, God? What are we doing? God wants to help you. God wants to move on your behalf. Let's bow our head. Let's pray. Let's ask God to help us. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.